When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to put yourself first. Your life depends on it. How I dropped the guilt and took control of my parenting and my life. That is what our guest today is going to be sharing with us. This is On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink and Janet Allison. Before we dive into how to drop that parenting guilt, here is a message about how you can help your child drop the anxiety from our friend, Dr. Mary. Anxiety is the most common mental health struggle of kids and teens today. And that was before the pandemic. Anxiety tends to be quite treatable, yet if unaddressed may impair enjoyment, relationships, and just being able to function. You can help your child move past anxiety, move toward greater confidence, enjoyment, and success in life, and you can learn how to parent your anxious child too. Imagine trading in worry, stress, and overwhelm for greater confidence and resilience and calm for all of you. You know, for years, our On Boys guest, Dr. Mary Wild, has been teaching parents and kids to recognize and respond to stress in a healthy way, using strategies of the mind, body, and spirit from her clinic in the United States. Her success with clients in person has fueled her desire to bring this information to you, dear parents, into your homes, and with these self-guided courses, directly to your kids too, so that they can learn the valuable strategies that they need to be able to manage their anxiety. We've teamed with Dr. Mary to bring you these courses, one for kids, one for parents, so that together you can find more confidence, resilience, and calm, even in the midst of a pandemic. To get this special offer, go to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y, slash on boys and follow the prompts. Dr. Mary is passionate about helping families. And in addition to the parent course and child focused course she's offering, she's including as a bonus, all of the interviews from the Anxiety Essentials 1.0 Summit. These are proven strategies to help parents of anxious kids. Go to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash on boys. And what a good feeling to know that you've got expert help to transform anxiety and worry into resilience and calm. Maybe you felt on the brink in your mothering, like you just can't manage a moment longer or feeling like if only I did more for my kids, they would do X or Y or Z. Are you one of those people that wake up in the morning thinking, ah, I've got this. Today is going to be a great day. My kids are going to be X or Y or Z. 
and it all goes to pieces even before breakfast. Our guest today was one of those moms. She was mothering so hard she nearly died, which isn't easy to say because she is a dear, dear friend of mine. True to her nature though, she took this experience and crafted an entirely new life for herself and her family. She has dedicated her life to helping moms across the globe do the same. Heather Chauvin is a leadership coach who helps ambitious, overwhelmed women conquer their fears and become leaders at work and home. You may know her from the popular Mom is in Control podcast or her TEDx talk. And now I can't even tell you how proud I am to say this because we've been talking about this for years. She is the author of a new book. Heather, welcome. Yay, this is gonna be probably, I don't know, having this conversation with you from our early days. Yeah, this is magic. This is manifesting. Listeners, I wish that you could see the video of this right now because Janet is tearing up. She looks like a a proud parent watching her child who has just accomplished this great thing. And Heather has all this tenderness on her face. And I am with you. I want to know, like, wait, excuse me, you almost died? What the hell, Heather? (laughs) Oh, yeah. What happened? Well, one day, no, I'm just kidding. So yeah, once upon a time. So let's talk about which, which time do you want to talk about when I died? My physical body, my mental body, my emotional body, my dreams, my desires, which part of you, which story do you want me to tell? Which was the one that first got your attention and said, something has to change. Motherhood got my attention. So I became a mom when I was 18. I came into mothering single and already feeling like I failed because, Mm. you know, I did it backwards. And before that, I did not have this sense of purpose. Like, what is my purpose? I was too, I was, I didn't even get the opportunity to figure that out. So I jump into mothering and then now this is my purpose. So when people would say, Heather, tell me about yourself. I'm a mother. I'm a mother. That was the first title. That was the first hat. And I wore it with a badge of honor. And because the undercurrent of you're not enough, you're not enough, you're not enough. I, oh yeah. I looked around me and I was like, who in society is successful? Like, I want to see a successful mother, a successful woman. Okay. She has an education. Boom. Go get the education, Heather. Get it. Okay. She's got a good job. Boom. Go get that good job. Uh, She does everything for her children. She barely takes care of herself, but she just, you know, she's chronically fatigued. Okay. I got that. Like all of these success markers. And then seven years ago, I've always been a little outside of the box, you know, like always thought, Janet, stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Janet's making faces at her. Like you don't say. (laughs) Jana is also the exact same age as my mother. So let's just put it that way. So oh, you're going to put that out there. No, okay. but here's what I'm going to tell you. We have mothered in very different generations. Yes. We and have. we've talked about that and many conversations. And so the opportunities that I have had during my mothering experience were not the same opportunities that generations before have had. 
which has been interesting because a whole other conversation we may get into is living with my mother and what writing this book has done for that experience and relationship. But to answer the question, are people like, what, you almost died? Like, tell me more, tell me more. Stop with the cliffhangers. So seven years ago, I was building my business. I left my social work career and decided to follow that little desire, that little voice inside of me where I felt, you know, very unsure, very afraid. And everyone's like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? So jumped into my business while I'm building the business and my, I have three boys and my youngest was a year old at the time. And he, I literally just gave my resignation to my corporate job coming back from maternity leave. And a few months later, um, I was told that I had cancer and I was living in a hustle mentality, which was mm-hmm. wake up with the children open the laptop, get to work, breastfeed, do interviews. I actually think that's when Janet and I actually kind of met. Mm-hmm. And, and I kept telling people like, I'm tired. I don't feel good. And they're like, oh, honey, you're, you're a mom. You have young children, like suck it up, buttercup. This is your life now. And that, so I'm like, okay, I just have to suck it up. But then there was this part of me that was like, why? Like, why do I have to suck it up? And I was always questioning why, why, why? But I did what I was quote unquote told to do to be a good mother. Right. And so, yeah, I was diagnosed with cancer. I had abdominal tumors growing in my abdomen. There's a picture in the um, introduction of the book and they grew very rapidly. And I took it at this point, like I was invested in personal development and business and, but it was a sign. I was like, okay, like I, it can't get worse than this. Like, this is not stage one. I really need to pay attention. And I had to completely surrender and start from the ground up. I remember that day we were on zoom and you showed me your belly, like a side view and you looked pregnant. Yeah. So you had three small children. Mm-hmm. You're trying to build a business. You're already exhausted. Dealing with cancer is exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, for a while, I have to think you were just, it, it, it's survival and not just your, obviously your physical survival and what's going to happen with my kids. And you don't have time really to do the emotional work at that point, do you? No, you're in, how do I stay alive mode? Yeah. And um but that was like, you know, I worked in crisis. Like that was Uh, my, uh, I knew how to do that. Well, I knew how to save people. And so now it was time to save myself. So I was like, okay, it was very uncomfortable, but that fear of, you know, the guilt, I'm like, no, I need to do this to stay alive. And I was actually doing it for my children and still Mm -hmm. doing it for other people. Um, but the weird thing is Jen, This is the weird thing previous to that. So for almost nine years, okay, because my oldest was nine, almost nine years, I was in personal development, meaning like parenthood was like, okay, now I'm into meditation, spirituality, like conscious parenting, like pulling all the layers back. And my, I was running my business, but my business was so parent-child focused, like on the child's behavior. 
and I parents yes so it wasn't about the parent but then when when we would talk about implementing and there's a reason why I'm telling you all this when we talk about implementing um she's like I don't have time I'm so Mm -hmm. exhausted my marriage is falling apart I hate my job blah 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 and I'm like okay, focus You're We're here for the child's behavior. Like this is what you hired me for. Mm-hmm. So then I naturally started helping her with all those things. And I realized when I got sick, oh my gosh, you haven't embodied what you've been learning. You've been passively going to the retreat, passively going to the retreats, reading the books, listening to the podcast, but you're not integrating it into your life. And that's why you feel like shit. That is why you have no energy. And so you are in a crisis state, Heather. You got yourself here. You now need to take ownership for the lack of nourishment and mothering that you have given yourself. And so I had to face everything. And I felt like I was backed into a corner Mm -hmm. and there was nowhere to run. And it was like, you have to run towards your fear. You have to run towards your guilt. You have to run towards your shame. You have to run towards everything that you've been saying you didn't have time to look at. Being backed in a corner uh, is so uncomfortable and can be such growth. One of my distinct memories to this day, and my, my baby just turned 15 the other day, is in labor, there's this point where it hurts so bad and you just want it to stop And the only way out is through you like trying to avoid that pain only makes it last longer. And so at a certain point, it was almost like having to make this conscious decision to say, here we go, because there's that, you know, intuitively, that's the only way it's going to get better. And sadly, it does come to that point for a lot of us women in our personal lives. We don't make the changes until we have literally no other choice. Yeah. Yeah. And Heather, one thing I, I just has always resonated with me is what you help others do. And that is sitting with the discomfort. And you and I have had those moments on the phone of you're just telling me, just be with it, sit with it. And I'm squirming and squealing. I don't want to, I don't want to. And yet it's what Jen said, you know, you have to just be in it. And process through it to get to the other side. So many of us as moms feel like we can't even think about how to have a life that we like because we are so caught up in my kids need this. My kids are doing this. I have to deal with this problem. And -hmm. those are all issues. Heather, help us figure out how to put us back into that conversation and remind us of why it's good for all of us. Certainly living is good. Living emotionally and physically is good for us, but it's better for our kids too. Yeah. And that's a very interesting, like, I feel like I need to write, well, I'm not writing anything else right now, but um, (laughs) that's the question I'm always curious about, right? Like there, we can't see the correlation between our value uh, how we lead our lives and how that influences impacts other people so before we hit record Janet was like you inspired me Heather 
And I'm like, what? We didn't even have that conversation. Mm -hmm. She was inspired by something that I did in my life. And it gave her permission to do something. And I'm like, that's mind blowing to me, right? Mind blowing to me. But the old me, I now understand it. I still don't believe it. Like there is that weirdness Mm -hmm. that we have with our psyche. And like, I have to hear it again and again and again to be like, okay, even if I may not believe it or I'm not allowing it to sink in, understand that I have influence in my home, especially Mm -hmm. in the middle of a pandemic, three boys, two dogs, partner, (laughs) business, life, mom, home, homeschooling, momming, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, taking care of my body literally besides going for a walk hasn't really been anywhere in a long time. So my point of that is when I feel better, every, the it's, it's freaking science, right? It's the ripple effect, but I watch it because women will say to me, my partner, and I know you ladies probably hear that. How do I get my partner on board with this type of parenting or this style or whatever it is? Mm -hmm. I'm like, you need to get on board. You need to implement, you need to master it. How do I get my child to listen to me? Are you listening to the child? Are you listening to yourself? Like everything is just mirroring back to you, but here's the beauty of it. You know, when I first started this work, I wanted to scream it from the rooftops until my voice was like, you know, broken. And now I'm like, when you're ready, you'll come or you'll see the value or you will be surrender and do the work. But until then, if you believe that you need to suffer to be worthy, you will continue to suffer to be worthy. And I've had to, I hate using, or I dislike using the word fight. I've had to be wildly intentional with why are you choosing the hard way of doing this? There's a difference between hard and resistance and understanding, yes, you have to go through the resistance, through the contraction to get to the other side, but your whole life doesn't need to feel hard. And I'm so triggered by that term. We can do hard Mm -hmm. things because women are like, literally life force comes out of us. We can make magic happen and we can, right. Regardless of how your children come to you, adoption, dropped on your doorstep. I don't know. (laughs) Or when they come to you, we're mothering people all the time, Mm -hmm. all the time. We are magic. But when you don't believe that you're magical, you show up that way. And then the world is like, you want to treat yourself like a piece of shit. I'm just going to poop all over you. And then you're like, how come this person isn't respecting me? Because you're not respecting yourself. And I'm telling you right now, when someone values themselves, all of a sudden, everything in their life changes. You know, for so many of us, we don't even realize that we were steeped in these messages that say the hard way is the right way. Uh, I grew up with that. You know, the easy way, the shortcut, don't go that way, go the hard way. Sacrificing for your family is ingrained in a lot of religion and tradition and culture. So what you're saying is that it can be easy. It can be pleasant. And that's okay. That's, it shouldn't be, but that's kind of revolutionary. We can do uncomfortable things. Yes. Yeah. This, it needs to be hard. You need to grind. You Like who needs sleep? Um, go, go, go. Just 
it, I'm like, no. So I realized this when I kept hearing it, I'm like, but you want people to like find freedom and ease in their life. And you know, connection, like connect with your children Mm -hmm. on a deeper level. Like you don't want to go to bed thinking about like the shame and guilt of the words that came out of your mouth when you were speaking to your family today. And yet there you are convincing yourself this needs to be hard. And I'm like, it just, it's emotionally uncomfortable. And I believe the revolution that we're stepping into or the quote unquote new way of being is you have to feel like you have to feel your contrast. I have to feel my fear. I can't just run away from it. I have to like, to be able to sit with a child's tantrum and the child can be two, they can be a teenager, an adult, adults have tantrums to sit with a human's tantrum and to just hold space for them and be like, Mm -hmm. you're allowed to be angry. You're allowed to be all these things and feeling it. But what's happening is it's projected onto us. We're telling ourselves a story. Oh my gosh, they're going to be angry like their father. And then, oh my gosh. And then he's going to become a drug addict and he's going to live in my basement forever. And then this is going to happen. It's like, he just stubbed his toe. That's all that just happened. Like he just got mad at something. It's okay, but we're going into the future. And if you want to feel gratitude, if you want to feel peace, if you want to feel joy, if you want to feel calm, you also need to feel the other things that are traditionally labeled as bad or wrong. It's an emotion. It's just energy. Yeah. And in that, in, in those words that you're speaking to yourself, when you're imagining him being a drug addict and all the things is that you're telling yourself you're a bad parent. And it's not true. It's simply not true. So yeah, this is maybe an uncomfortable moment and it's just one moment in all the moments that we parent. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Babies need to eat. And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about Byheart Baby Formula. Byheart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk. And Byheart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on Byheart have softer poops, less spit up, and easier digestion. Byheart is also the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider Byheart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code ONBOYS at byheart.com. That's B-Y-H-E-A-R-T dot com slash podcast, and it is 10% off your first order. Byheart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer and additional terms and conditions may apply. One of the most challenging things about being a woman at midlife is realizing how little people understand about perimenopause and menopause, Janet. I just had a conversation with my sister about that this weekend. She is 10 years younger than me, so I'm 51, she's 41, and she went to ask her healthcare provider, hey, can you provide me some information? And she got information, but she was frustrated by how 
incomplete, it seems. How little we know and how for way too many people, the answer seems to be, yep, that's the way it is. Deal with it. Mm-hmm. Deal with it. And not only are our mamas out there having to deal with perimenopause, likely at this age, but many of our moms are dealing with their sons entering or in puberty, which is kind of nature's irony, which is, oof. Cruel joke, Janet. Cruel joke. Cruel joke. Thankfully, thankfully, increasingly, there are those who are recognizing that women need and deserve competent care and treatment for perimenopause and menopausal symptoms. And we know that can still be harder to access than it should be, which is why we have partnered with Winona. Winona helps women who are dealing with menopause or perimenopause. Winona is a collection of OBGYN health professionals who believe that your symptoms are important, real, and deserve to be taken seriously. Telehealth, you can access care from your home when it is convenient for you. Visit buywinona.com today to start your free visit with free U.S. shipping and the ability to pause or cancel at any time. Your path to wellness has zero obligations. Use the code ONBOYS at buywinona.com for 25% off your first order. That's B-Y-W-I-N-O-N-A dot com slash onboys. Winona, menopause care made easy. Yeah. We moms tend to we moms tend to be very fear focused. You know, we are afraid that our kid is going to become the drug addict, that he's going to sexually harass somebody, that he's going to be this terrible person. We are afraid of all of these things. We're afraid of trying for our dreams and failing. We're afraid of trying and succeeding. How do we start to get a grip on all of that, Heather, and move move past that fear, recognize it, feel it, and act anyway? Mm-hmm. Good question. No, I'm just kidding. Um, well, I can only speak from my own personal experience. And first of all, people ask, like, how do I move past it? You might move past it for a moment, but it, it may boomerang and come mm-hmm, back. Mm-hmm. I still co-create with fear and guilt. I don't feel as guilty for like taking a shower these days or, you know, washing my face, but sometimes it pops up. Um, and now I've learned like, hmm, you sneaky little, I know what you're up to. Like, I know what's happening, but here's the thing. I talk about it in the book. I had a moment because there's, there's a concept that I teach called energetic time management. And in the book, I tell a story about, I remember coming home in between treatment at the hospital and I was paralyzed in fear, like paralyzed. And the story I was telling myself is I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And it was two, three o'clock in the morning. I don't know. Everyone was sleeping. And what do I do? I go into the bathroom. I don't want to disturb anybody. And I, I just try to hold in all of my pain and all of my fear. So no, so I don't disrupt anybody. And I'm like crying internally 
And I'm like, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And then I told myself, I was like, Heather, you're not dead. Right now, in this moment, you are not dead. So stop protecting, like, stop pretending you're dead. You may die. Yes, you may die. FYI, you're going to die eventually. But how do you want to feel? And I wanted to feel alive. I wanted to feel the opposite of dead. And then so I'm like, how do I feel alive? How do I feel alive? How do I feel alive? Which is the opposite of fear, right? How can I feel love? How can I feel alive? And then the next thought was, you have no idea how to feel alive. Mm -hmm. And I realized that that was my fear is that I did not know how to live from a place that was not fear. Mm -hmm. You'd been busy checking all the boxes, doing the quote unquote right things, hadn't thought about living. I'm betting that resonates with a lot of listeners right now. And if that is you, give yourself permission to just take this moment and think about that. And then think about Heather's voice as she's been telling you all of this. You can hear the alive in her voice now. There is the other side. You can get there. You can live with intention. You can, uh, I love the phrase you said, you co-create with, with fear and guilt. Those parts yeah. will always be a part of our life, but we can work with them and create beauty and joy. Well, just like fear, right? Like that moment I was having on the bathroom floor was a tantrum. Like I was experiencing like a human moment. And so if you replaced me with a child, traditionally what we do is like, stop feeling that way. Get up, wipe your tears. Let's go. Come on. This is uncomfortable for me. I can't handle this. I, because I don't know how to handle these own, these emotions within myself. So in that moment, you know, I could just mother myself. And I was like, what do you need? What do you need? And then I had to start giving myself like, get up, take a shower. You know, you're okay. You got this. And then I had to dig into like, what does it feel like to feel alive? I have no idea. Okay. Be curious, figure that out. Like you don't have much energy right now. Take a shower, go for a five minute walk. Good. You're done for the day. Mm -hmm. But with children, it's the same thing. It's like the shame, the fear, the overwhelm, like you're never going to be able to get rid of these things for your children. So you have to learn how to teach your children, how to co-create their life with it. But if you don't know this and you are their teacher and their guide, they're not going to know. And then that's how they live out of fear themselves. And then people are like, I just want the best for my children. So I did everything for them. And now they're ungrateful. And now they're this. And I'm like, you literally did not teach them how to feel and live and be. And then when they got to a certain age, they just want to run the frick away from you because they didn't know how to co-create with you. Mm -hmm. This is so profound. And I hope that our listeners will listen to this more than once. And of course, get the book. But just to be able to really sit with, again, this is this is my Heather mantra is sitting with it, and being able to process it for yourself. I just hear you so clearly saying again and again, 
if you haven't done this work, you're not going to be able to help your kids do this work. And of course, being the you know stellar parent that you strive to be, you got to start with yourself and it's uncomfortable and you may need a guide and it takes courage. It takes being brave, but it really is that place of taking a stand for yourself so that you can take the stand for your kids, which we know all of us want to do. But you don't have to start for you. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. When I started this whole process, my first online product was called Teach Your Kid to Meditate. To meditate. Because my, my child needed to meditate, not me. Mm-hmm. Not me. I didn't need to meditate. Who? No, you need it. You need the problem. And then I, you know, and then I would talk to parents and they're like, they're moving, they're fidgety, they're running, they're this, they're da, da, da. It's not perfect. And I'm like, who's projecting that? Who is projecting that? You, the child is fine. You're the one who needs to calm down. You're the one who needs to read. You're the one who needs to tune into yourself so that you can observe and watch them. Mm -hmm. And so if your why to start is them, that's okay. That's okay. Give yourself permission. My Mm -hmm. why for doing this work has constantly evolved. And the first, I first started for them. I can relate to that so much because, you know, Janet, you know, that I was a nurse before I was a writer, the writing thing came up after I had my first son. And part of it was that in becoming a parent, I became brave for him, right? I I was his voice in the world. I had to seek out information and I had to be strong for him. And there was a certain point where I realized if I can do that for him, I can do that for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't get to myself first. I started with him and then it came back to me. And I think that it has benefited us all. I think our children pick us to lead us back home to ourselves if we are willing to show up for the uncomfortable lessons that they are teaching us. Mm-hmm. Give us an example of that. You have you have three boys. So often I, I, I just feel want like to laugh. I'm like, mm, which lesson am I still right? <laughs> because so often this comes up when you find yourself getting completely annoyed and fed up with something one of your children is doing. And then there's this little light bulb where you're like, Oh, I do the same thing. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I constantly replace their name with mine and see if that sits with me at all. Right. Like I'll walk into my son's room, clean your room up. And I'm not the cleanest person. Like I am not a clean freak in that sense. And he will literally be like, is your room clean? And old me would have been like, don't talk to me like that. I'm your mother, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, now I will say, you're right. I'm going to go tidy my room up. Let's get on yours. And there's no tension there. It's just like, thanks for calling me out on my stuff. There still can be a mutual respect. Yeah. And I can still be an authority and hold boundaries and, you know, get that feedback at the same time. But all three of my boys, and I, I go into it a lot in the book, but my oldest, so there's Logan, Calvin, and Felix. My oldest taught me how to 
literally live. Like he gave me that, how to find my purpose. Mm-hmm. Calvin is hilarious. <laughs> and he is also, Janet's met my boys and he is also this ball of energy, energy. He really taught me how to like start a morning routine and my fight or flight. Uh, He's got some, you know, he's very big, uh, but he also is wildly sensitive, which is interesting. So yeah, that like sensory processing stuff. And he taught me the strategy of uh, earplugs. Mm -hmm. Parents are like, quickest parenting strategy. I'm like earplugs, like mm-hmm. earbuds. It yep. just calms down your nervous system. Um, but he teaches me how to laugh. Like anytime I tried to discipline him, he would be like, like, you know, when you're in the car and you're like, stop it, stop it. Like when he was younger and he's like, Oh, thanks. I needed a little love tap. Like he just, <laughs> he's just, and so you just break out laughing and I'm like, okay. So he really taught me about conscious discipline. And then Felix is this little oh, Felix. Sense. He, <laughs> yeah, he's, he just, his imagination is so big. Um, he really taught me how to trust myself and how, and to trust that who he is supposed to be in the world is that, and he's not going to fit into a traditional mold and that's okay. So when I advocate for him to just be who he is, like right now he's got blue hair and, um, he's, he's, he's definitely coming out of his shell, but he's hilarious and just wildly creative. And when I just honor that and not try to change him and it's like, yeah, trust who you are, trust your instincts, trust your Mm -hmm. creativity. Um, yeah, he, they're all different. That last one really resonates with me because that sort of mirrors a little bit of my experience. You know, you, you put your energy into, um, helping your kid be who he is in the world that's so busy trying to slot him into these narrow boxes. And Janet, we talk about the man box all the time and how even in 2021, there are still such narrow expectations and correct options for boys. So it was easy for me to start putting that energy into letting my boys be who they are. And then it's the subconscious process. You know, you're like, well, if, if he can be who he is, then, then maybe I can too. And maybe I can stand up for myself in the same way. Yeah. And I would say to our listeners, some encouragement here of, you know, talk about slot slotting them into different boxes. There has been nothing like this pandemic and online learning and trying to slot our boys into how they should be what they should be doing. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I just think of Felix as this model of, let them go their own way. It is okay if they're not sitting in front of the computer five hours a day. How else can they be exploring the world? How else can they be learning? And it is not about the academic piece. It is all the other all the other ways. And I, I really do just have this image of Felix just like being out in the yard and wandering around and being with the dog and in, you know, all the things that are developing in his imagination and in his world. And so giving our kids that space. Now I will say a lot of, um, I, I wonder Heather, what you have to say about the amount of time that boys are compelled to be playing video games and Mm. you know how we move them out of that space if we do and encourage them in other directions okay 
this is interesting because the pandemic has, I've taken a lot of pressure off myself from an academic standpoint and the screen time debate. Mm -hmm. Um, My focus value and goal is do they feel loved? Do they feel safe? And am I yelling? That is literally my parenting goals probably this year too. Mm -hmm. And I haven't really raised my voice. I typically don't raise my voice anymore. I used to do that all the time. I may have once in the last year, I can be very assertive and firm, but I don't technically have, I don't have to get there anymore. Mm -hmm. And, um, they actually haven't even been at each other a lot. And when they are, it's just energy, but boundaries, 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 boundaries. So we don't have any formal video games in our home, but you know, they watch YouTube and do what they do and they do have access to screens and it's just their way of being, to be honest with you. So the amount of screen time they've had is way more than I would have given them just from a I'm working, dad's busy. Like, <laughs> you like, I just need yeah. this break. And this is essentially yep. what's going to happen. Yeah. But when I have a boundary of like, I'm done work, everyone gets off screen time. And then your brain is like doing its chemical thing. And you're like, it's time to get off. And you're holding that boundary. I watch how they react. And if there is like a, like an addictive need for it, I take that as a symptom that their body is out of balance and that they need other nourishment. And so I'm making a mental note of that, that when my screen time boundaries need to be great, um, that after work, I'm putting that boundary up and then we're creating connection time. So I literally turn the Wi-Fi off in the house. We have a router and it's a non-negotiable. Children will try to like emotionally manipulate you. They're really good at it. Like, Oh, I just got on. Oh, like I've heard it all. And I just, it's a non-negotiable. You will hear one child say to the other, give it up. She's not going to (laughs) break. Like she's not. And, and that is actually keeps me very confident because inside I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah, they're right. Oh, I got it over. I feel so guilty or da, 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 da. And I'm just like, no, you need a detox. I need a detox. And then we're creating connection. My resistance is coming up too. I just want to be in bed watching Netflix on my phone, hiding from the world's drama, even mm-hmm. though I'm absorbing more of it on as I'm scrolling. But it's it's yeah. like, I need the detox too. And I'm resisting it, right? So I'm like, everyone, let's feel our discomfort. Let's feel our resistance. Get your damn shoes on. I'm going to throw them out the door. I'm locking the door. We have to stay outside for 20 minutes. It's freezing out here, but your shoes and your coat are out here. So you can have a 20 minute hissy fit, or you can put your damn shit on and I'm walking down the street. I'm not yelling. I'm not yelling. I'm just like, it is what it is. My headphones are in, we're going. And then the energy shifts, but you got to take a freaking stand for how you want to feel and show up as the leader. Don't mm-hmm. argue with a child. I like that part in there where you recognize that we, as the adults have resistance to this. You know, it's so much easier to just stay on the couch and keep scrolling and you can pick up your phone to just queue up a song and oh wait there's an email and then there's this and an hour and a half goes by. We the adults face this resistance. So the fact that we somehow expect our children to respond instantly and do what we ask them to. It's pretty laughable. 
you want to know what my boundary is right now with my phone? This is, I like to play mental games with myself and not take, like, I understand that this is like an addictive mind thing that's going on. It's not me, Heather Chauvin. Like I can, you know, separate those two. At, I say eight o'clock, I need to be off my phone. Like can't be scrolling, can't do whatever. I give it to my teenage son and I say hide this in the house you cannot give it to me until 10 a.m tomorrow and he loves it because it puts him in a place of control and and boundaries and he watches it and I'm squirming I'm like give me the iPad give me the laptop I it's so incredibly uncomfortable I'm chewing gum I'm drinking water I'm taking a shower I'm going for a walk but when, once I get in that pattern, it's like, oh, I can deal with it now. This is it. I get it. My brain's on board. It's so uncomfortable, but you have to get, like, you got to co-create this with your children. You're, and in doing that, you're role modeling that whole process. You're role modeling to your son. Yes, it is safe to give up your phone to a family member who will respect it, take care of it, won't let anything happen to it. Hey, look, I'm mom. And yeah, you're right. This is really freaking hard. But- <laughs> we, we can do uncomfortable things. We can survive. We can, it's setting such a great example. And it's not through saying to your children, you have to do this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And they see you and then that helps them. So I love that. I love that switch. It's awesome. Heather, you also have some really practical strategies that I have shared with many parents over the years. And I would love to have you tell us about number one, energetic time management, because that just seems like, wait a minute, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. And also the, the zones, the zones. So give us some practical, and I know I'm guessing that all of this is in your book. So there will be more elaboration there. Yeah. So I think around chapter 12, I get into what I call ETM, which is energetic time management. So I ask people like, how do you want to feel? What's the life that you want? And sometimes it's, they know exactly. And sometimes they say, I have no idea, but, and I always say, well, you know, you don't want to feel like shit. So what's the opposite of feeling like shit, right? You know, you don't want to argue with your kids. What's the opposite we know what we want because we know what we don't want. So start there. Mm -hmm. Energetic time management essentially is managing your energy, not your time. And what I'm finding as I teach this over and over and over again is one, I still use this myself. It's a practice just like anything else. And there's layers to it. It's not a one and done thing. Um, First, you know, you're just learning so much about yourself and that energy is not just physical energy, but like the mental energy of like being able to rewire your stories. And um, it's a practical strategy that I had to create from all of this. I'm not going to say woo woo because I believe in it, but all of the learning, I was like, how do I actually do this? So that's in the book. I, it's a stick six step process. I walk you through it. Um, you can actually get the process too in a free 20 page, um, workbook that I created for the book that you can get for free when you go to the website, dying to be a good mother.com. Um, and then the red, green, and yellow zones. Apparently these are called the zones of regulation. 
but I don't use them that way. I just like to think of a stop sign or a stoplight. We know what we're supposed to do in the red. Don't move, stop, stay put. Yellow, red is coming and green, go, things are good. So I use this either with a child's behavior. I also use this in myself, like emotional regulation, but also where am I living in what area of my life? Mm -hmm. uh, what I've noticed is people start communicating this way. I'm in my yellow zone, which means don't come near me. Um, my husband says this now, he's like, mm -hmm. I'm headed to my red and I'm like, all right, guys, dad needs space, or I say it, or whatever, yeah. or a child says it. Um, but essentially, you cannot solve any problems in the red zone. And anytime I do a parenting talk, teachers are blown away. Oh my gosh, <laughs> we're always trying to solve problems in the in the red zone. When the child is having a tantrum, we're like, yeah. why did you do this? What are you doing? How are you feeling? And the child's like, let me process what's yeah. going on. Yeah. So never, ever, ever solve problems in the red. Observe it. Be like, we're going to talk about this later. Boom. They When they're down in their green zone during dinner later that day, hey, what happened this morning? Mm -hmm. And then if even if they go mm -hmm. from green to red, you're like, oop, I see you're in your red zone again. No problem. We'll talk about this tomorrow. And when I first implemented this strategy in my house, it took a week to solve a problem. Hey, what happened to your behavior this morning? Boom, right? Because I've conditioned them that when they're in their red zone, I don't, we don't talk about it. We avoid it. So I was like, I'm not giving up on this. So we actually would talk about a behavior that happened Monday morning on Friday night, because then they surrendered and they're like, now I'll tell you how I feel, but you've got to mm -hmm. be consistent. Um, it's something I ask myself all day, every day, what zone am I in right now? How did mm -hmm. I get there? What actions did I not take? So it's, it's that quick, quick thing where you can kind of regulate yourself and other people. And I do this with clients. Oh, she's asking me a question in the red zone. So I'll say, what zone are you? And she's like, red. I'm like, mm -hmm. great. Ask me this question again, when you're in your green zone, guess what? It's not a problem anymore. Yeah. I really feel like we should have had that piece of the conversation like 10 months ago at the beginning of the pandemic would have helped me, but I should have been paying attention closer. <laughs> it's never too late to learn new strategies. It's not. Exactly. Yeah. And I think part of that ultimately is being easy with yourself. Jen and I always talk about giving yourself grace. Come on, people. This is, this is a lot that we're living in right now. And I firmly believe that when you can be in your home, be with your own kids and create joy there, create ease there, that that affects, that ripple effect ripples out into mm -hmm. the world. Mm -hmm. And we really do have to start where we are and start with ourselves, start with our families. Heather, where can people buy your book? I know we're going to have people wanting to pick up a copy and flip to chapter 12 and find those six steps. Yeah, so it's on Amazon and a few other places, <laughs> which I don't know exactly where it will be right now, but where you can buy books online. But if you go to dyingtobeagoodmother.com, we have all the links on the page. And I think when you go to that page, you're actually going to opt in and get the workbook first. 
so that you have all those visuals of the red, green, and yellow and the energetic time management. I got emotions lists, like there's so much good juicy content in there. Um, yeah, and then the page has all of the links to get you there. And depending on when you're buying it, if you're buying it during pre-launch, which is mid-February, early March, there's some um, bonuses. Um, you're going to get audi an audio portion of the book um, if you buy one book. And if you buy four books, I'm going to give you a ticket to an online event that I'm doing where we're going to do the work together. And how and fun would it be to yes. buy this book with some mom friends? You don't even have to be, in I mean, it'd be great if you could all meet in the living room and do it, but you can do this work via Zoom. Look at us. I mean, we're yeah. doing it right now via Zoom. Yeah. So yeah, dyingtobeagoodmother.com. I talk a lot on the podcast, Mom is in Control, and Instagram, you can find me at Heather Chauvin. All of these links, you guys know, they're going to be in the show notes. I'll make it easy for you. Yeah, it's easy for you. And I just want to say at the end of this podcast, because listeners, I don't know if you're wondering how Heather actually inspired me, but I, I will say, Heather... I don't know how many years ago it was that you packed up your kids one winter and Heather lives in Canada. So winter is a serious deal. And she packed up her family and they went to Florida for what, a month, I think. Yeah, it was a few weeks and we couldn't, yeah. it, we could barely scrape by at that point, but we made it happen. Yeah, she made it happen. She took all her whole family off to a warm place in the winter. And most of you know that I live in Portland, Oregon, and the winters are remarkably gray and gloomy. And a, a year ago, I decided I am not doing another winter in Portland. And I remembered what Heather had done. And so I made myself the goal to spend a month outside of Portland. And I am coming to the close of my month in Hawaii. And Heather, I think about you every day because you really, mm -hmm. really showed me. You didn't tell me you have to do this and this is good for you. You just did it. And that inspired me to do it too. And mm -hmm. if my trip to Hawaii, if my stay here inspires someone else to do that, I'm that just makes it all the much sweeter. I love that. That's, that's going to be good feedback for me to talk to Brian the next trip. I'm like, Hey, listen, I inspired Janet. Think about how many other people we're going to change women's lives. And on a, on a serious, more serious note, I feel like with what is happening in the world, which is always been happening, except we're being shown it now, um, in, you know, all the aspects of social injustice and you know the imbalance of women's lives and all of that this is how we are going to change the world like this is how we are going to make an impact it's not about waiting for uh right you know legislation to be passed and equal rights and all of that like yes that's happening and we're doing that and we need to take efforts and actions there but when you're showing up as a leader and like I want to show up as the woman. I want every other woman to feel the way that I do in all aspects of my life. And the side effect of that is you inspire people, but you mm -hmm. also trigger people, right? You trigger mm -hmm. people of, oh, must be nice, must be nice. And mm -hmm. I just hope that I can shift those people to 
you're worthy of this too. You're worthy of feeling yeah. good. And you can come from nothing and create something. And it takes time. It takes energy. It takes effort. Um, but when I see people complaining, I'm like, yeah, complain, get angry, get pissed off. What are you going to do about it? And the only person I have true control over is me. And that affects every boy in my home, every man in my home and my neighbors. And then it just keeps trickling out. So mm -hmm. if I can be on my deathbed, whenever that happens, hopefully long time from now and say, what's the legacy that I want to leave? It's how did people feel in my presence? Not, um, you know, yeah, sure. Money. Yeah. All of those things. But did I make an impact with the life that I had? Thanks for being part of On Boys Global Community. We love you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.